Well, thank you for joining us for the second part of this prayer and spiritual warfare discussion we're having. We've been having a good discussion with those who are here live with us, and I, I hope that you've watched the first session. We're just kind of laying a foundation. Let's dive a little deeper now, guys, if we can, and, and, and a little more specific. The role of the believer in prayer and spiritual warfare. Uh, disciplines, tools, habits, um, weaponry even, um, and talk about uh, uh, what the believer, uh, how the believer ought to be equipped, the habits and the disciplines that I have in their life. Dr. Schofield, why don't you start us off? Let's talk about how essential prayer is. Let's talk about some of these spiritual disciplines that really come into play in the believer's life. Well, you know, with regard to prayer itself, I mentioned John chapter 17. It's a, it's a pivotal text, a high priestly prayer. Uh, we see Jesus praying very specifically there for the character of believers. And, and so I think it, it's a great model for us <laughs> to draw from what he's teaching us to pray toward in our lives as uh, followers of Christ, that, that we would pray for godly character, that we would pray for a holy character that comes only through Christ, but then we would pray for protection from the evil one, and we would pray that we would be set apart, made holy in the truth of God as, as his people. Prayer is at the heart of a believer's ability to be able to say, I recognize that I have sinned. I recognize that uh, the enemy is at work in this. We've, we must begin to be proactive in that kind of lifestyle and pray toward the things that Jesus prayed toward. You know, prayer is, is, is very personal. It's private even, but uh, it's corporate. But we as God's people must begin to look at the scriptures and say, how did how did God how does God teach us to pray in his word there's over 685 prayers in the Bible and that's excluding the Psalms mm. now, I believe God had something to say to us about the important role that prayer plays in our lives and especially in walking with him and discerning and understanding how to be victorious in our lives as Christians mm -hmm. so Dr. John I would point out as a, something that's also available just this last Tuesday in chapel at Southeastern, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Gaines preached yeah, probably one of the finest messages I've ever heard in my life mm -hmm. on prayer. Mm -hmm. And it came from a, a wonderful leader in our convention, but was delivered humbly, biblically, faithfully. And I, I have to tell you, I'm still struggling mm -hmm. uh, personally with, with conviction uh, about my uh, impotency in my own prayer life. And I, I didn't hear anything he said that wasn't true. And if all the things he put on the table are indeed the case, then why in the world would we not make prayer a more vital part of our lives, not just for the purpose of spiritual warfare? But he said it so simply but so clearly. We, we talk to the persons we love. And we talk about the people we love. Mm -hmm. And so let's back up. Do you talk regularly with Jesus? And the answer, if you don't, is, well, then, is there something perhaps amiss with your yeah. love life? Yeah. And, of course, again, we're back to what we said a moment ago in the last session. Drawing near to God is the place where the devil has to flee. He can't draw with you. He's not going to draw near to God. So when I run from him to God, he's going to run the other way. Mm -hmm. And yet I will say in my own life to, to our students that are here, we, we, we've been talking about this on our cabinet, just thinking through about 
where we are as a seminary, where we want to go in the future. And, and we are a Great Commission seminary. That, that, I think, we've got pretty clearly out there. But, uh, and Tom Elliff was with us this last week, too. Could I also equally say that Southeastern is a praying seminary? I, I don't think that I can. Right. But I know that we should be. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we're beginning to think through, all right, what can we do to make not just the Great Commission a part of our DNA, mm-hmm. but prayer a part of the DNA of this entire campus? And as we had talked about again, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, the Great Commission and prayer go hand in glove. After all, Jesus said the fields are widened to harvest. Pray uh, the, the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. So there's the Great Commission right there attached to what? Right. Prayer. To prayer. And let me just, before I, we continue, Dr. Aiken referenced a sermon, and I want to make a point for the video here. Uh, you can go to our chapel archive and watch those sermons. And so we're filming this on the very 1st of December in 2016. So if you'll go and you'll look at the very last chapel, chapel service in November of 2016, or you might be able to reference that by, by Steve Gaines' name, either way, that date or name, and you'll be able to find that sermon yeah. and listen to it. But yeah. you know, <clears throat> with regard to what, what we're discussing about the role of prayer, it, it goes back to this whole element of dependence on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dying to self. You know, we talked about dying, but really that's what biblical prayer is really all about. It is about dying to self and depending on the Lord. A couple of scriptures I wrote down and jotted down related to that. Psalm 44, 5, through you we push back our enemies. Through your name we trample our foe. Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes, In like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Hmm. You know, it it is this utter dependence through prayer on the Lord. It's also utter dependence in in a a discipled life, a holy life. You know, one of the best works on prayer prayer and spiritual warfare that I have seen is discipled warriors. (laughs) And Dr. Lawless, Lawless has written that. Of course, it flows out of your... PhD dissertation, I think, and a lot of it does. But, you know, it's this whole element as, as, as believers, we must continually kill the flesh. And uh, we don't do it. The Spirit of God does it in our lives, of course. But it is about that. I, we spend our whole lives dying to self as believers and followers of Christ. Yeah, and John, and that's, that's not disconnected from our spiritual disciplines. To, to Chris's point, when, when we put on the, the whole armor of God, you keep all that in the context of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, there is that, that the position of who we are in Christ and that practical living out, that we are, we are a people of truth because the one who is truth lives in us, but we're to, wear, we're to put on that belt of, of truth. We have to choose to be truthful people, people of integrity. We have God's righteousness. He gives us His righteousness. We have that breastplate. But we have to choose to make righteous choices. And I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's by accident that Paul says to the Ephesians, you put on the armor of God. And then he says, and you pray for me hmm. and for all the saints. The, the people that pray and touch heaven are the people who are wearing the armor of God. And, and I think sometimes we so disconnect, let's, let's pray and not really talk about our own personal walk 
that we, we fail to understand why our prayers aren't working. Right. We're unholy people trying to talk to a holy God, right. and it doesn't work. No. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and part of my own life, and Dr. Lawless and I have been involved with this for many years, is in the area of church revitalization. And without, without any exception, one of the number, top three issues easily in churches that are declining and churches that are unhealthy is, an, is a concept of optional discipleship to where there's yeah. just, they're just not focused on their own holy personal walk with God. And, and that's not just true of their members, but it's often very true of their leaders as well. And so this concept of op optional discipleship uh, just makes us impotent uh, in the Isn't face of the enemy. Isn't that an oxymoron? Yeah, it is. It, <laughs> it, is. Isn't it? it is. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. Which means it's really stupid. Yeah. 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 That's right. And, <laughs> and as, I'm, as I'm very fond of quoting you, it's hard to fix stupid. You <laughs> I, look, I look in the mirror. I look well, in the mirror on a regular basis and I try, but it's just hard to pull off. It makes two of us. I yeah. think I got it from self-reflection. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the result of that is, John, you, you can't win spiritual battles if you're not wearing the armor of God. Yeah. So yeah. we're sending people unequipped into a battle that they don't know exists, and then we wonder why they lose. Yeah. Uh, we, we have to disciple if we expect people to win spiritual battles. Sure. Uh, several years ago, Teresa and I, my wife had, and I had the opportunity of, of leading a conference in Moldova in Eastern Europe, and there were 400 Moldovan missionaries who, who, had, been, who had returned home. Some of them had not been home for seven years or longer. Uh, the Baptist Convention of North Carolina mm -hmm. uh, and, and Southeast, we were partners in this together. And, uh, and so we were seeing grandparents meet grandchildren. It was just a very special moment. And these people were serving in the hardest places in the world. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I was supposed to lead a conference on prayer with these people. Mm. Uh, and it was the, one of the greatest absurdities of my life. <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I, I pulled the Bible out and we're sharing about prayer. And then I, you know, within a few minutes, I'm just being quiet and listening to testimonies you know, so that they can teach me. Uh, and, and this concept that they had of, of prayer as submission that we pray to one who is higher, we pray to one who is greater, we pray to one who is, is, is one that can when we cannot. And this, this recognition of inability, and I, I, I get frustrated and I share with churches often about how I, I feel like we're, we, we sin the sin of ability and, and when in fact we're unable, you know, and apart from Him we can't. And yet I think sometimes we think we can. Mm -hmm. And that, and so we're, so we're 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 trying to do this by our strength instead of depending upon upon his strength. So well, you know, in that whole line of revitalization, and 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 there is this corporate element of the, you know, that we haven't really even yeah. really addressed. But uh, you know, the the vital spiritual life. Wow, you know, I served at Nam all over North America, and uh, and here in North Carolina. And, and, and the thing that I see is this desperate need in, in Christians, but also in churches, for a vital spiritual life that's not there. And, you know, the lost world's looking and saying, where is your God? I mean, you really, you know, out of Joel chapter 2. I mean, I've been in Joel chapter 2 recently for a long time. And, and you know, the Lord says to his people, he says, Rend your hearts, not your garments. I'm not interested in the outside. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've got a lot of uh, uh, resources in, America, in the American church, but wow, God says, rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to me. That's the key. 
And uh, in, in this whole struggle that we're seeing, we're losing America to panism right before our eyes. And the church is, is struggling. We're, we're impotent before a lost world. And the only way that's going to change is for God's people to return to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and be revived in a, in a vital spiritual life. Yeah. You know, wilt thou not thyself revive us again that we thy people shall rejoice not in ourselves, not in our resources, but in thee. Go ahead and talk about the sons of Sceva. I want you to talk about them. I always like, I love it when you do this. I love it when you talk through that passage. It, it is. It's one of my favorite devotions I ever heard you share years ago. It's, uh, I used to say it's my favorite text. It's yeah. not my favorite text. It's the most challenging text for me yeah. where uh, Paul is in the city of Ephesus in Acts 19 and God's working mighty miracles through him. Uh, into that city come some exorcists who make a living doing that, seven sons of Sceva. They hear that Paul is powerful. They try to tap into Paul's power. And it is a, it is a, I'll use your word, Danny's word. It is a stupid thing to do to try to use somebody else's power to take on the devil. Right. Uh, and so they, kind of funny they too, speak. Though. It is, it is, it is comical, ultimately. Uh, they try to take on a demon. And they say to the demon, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And the demon speaks back this time. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? But who are you? And, and those last words haunt me. Jesus, I know because he's the son of God. Paul, I know because he walks with God. But, but who are you? In essence, the demon says, I know Jesus. I know Paul. You don't scare me. Exactly. The, the, the words haunt me because of what we do here and what I do with, with the IMB. And what I do is, as a minister of the gospel, our, our job is to so walk with God that we're raising up men and women who go out and hell knows them by name. Yes. Uh, that that hell shakes because our churches exist. And and to to Dr. Schofield's point, I th- I think the enemy probably sits back and says to many of us, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, you just keep on doing what you're doing because you don't worry me anyway. He's not alarmed mm. when we're when we're not walking in godliness, when we're not reaching lost people. Frankly, I don't think he's alarmed when we're growing by swapping sheep. No. I don't think the enemy's too upset by that. Uh, and so, uh, particularly the older I get, I, I want to know, one, that our lives glorify God, and they so glorify God that hell shakes because of it. That's, that's, my, that's my prayer. Mm-hmm. We talked a few years ago about turning out students uh, that scare the demons. Yeah. And that really would be a goal, yeah. that we would be a seminary that scares hell and scare Satan, not because of who we are, but because we are indeed so intoxicated with Christ, he knows us because we know him. Yeah, my, my vision is just, it's just me thinking this through. What does this look like practically to me? It, it means at graduation, we, we have the most gifted, the most equipped, the most trained men and women because they've, because they've been with us, but they are they're going across the stage on their knees mm. Mm. because that's the way we have to send them out, fully equipped but never off their knees. And if, if I have a fear, John, it is, and I've said this in, in multiple places, I live with this tension. I want us to be the best we can be, but I have a fear that we will, we will equip people out of dependence on God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's where I think as an institution 
We, we have to be a praying institution even as we're a training institution. You can't separate the two. Right. And because prayer is at the heart. People ask me all the time, and, and I try, I'm, not being, I'm not being simplistic. They say, okay, how can our church become a praying church? And I say, you pray. <laughs> how, how, how else is it going to happen? You've got to pray, and you've got to teach God's Word about prayer. Uh, you know, because if we do not, we will pray, but our praying will not be focused upon the things that God would have our praying to be focused upon. You know, I, biblical prayer is key mm -hmm. to seeing God's people become a praying people right. uh, so that we might walk in the newness of His life and be the instruments in this world that he wants us to be. So in this next session, the third session, let's, let's focus in on what is biblical prayer for a few minutes, and let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about what, what is biblical prayer, what does that look like, what does that consist of, what, is, what does that mean uh, as we go into that third session. So you make sure you come back uh, for that session three.